0: Okay, let's kick this off. Welcome everyone. Uh, this is uh, I'm Mike, and we've got Rob. I uh, teach people how not to screw up the business, and Rob uh, deals with the tech side. So uh, between the two of us, we kind of thought we'd have a bit of a bit of a chat around how people can avoid a uh, few nasties with emails. Um, and the three parts to IT is people, processes, and technology. And um, I think probably the first point we've got actually based around that is the fact that there are three distinct parts of uh, IT security and if you miss any one of those parts, you've got a weak point and you'll get breached. So good luck with that. Uh, so can everyone hear me all right? Definitely. Yeah, cool, okay. Um, look, look, one of the first things I want to say around this stuff is that when we're talking around um, IT security, One of the biggest problems that we have that that we see is what I would not so politely call the give a shit factor. Um, Basically, people need to care about this stuff a lot more. Um, They don't really see it as their problem. Um, That comes back to people like me, I guess, largely, just trying to do a better job around getting people to understand that they're a massive part of the solution. Um, When we get breached, it sucks, you know, we're not just talking about our organizations. We're, we're talking about our home use, um, talking about our kids as well. So it's really important that people just realize that we all have to, to do our thing and, and try and um, be aware of this day in, day out, like embed it into the culture of the organization. Um, and then being suspicious. So, you know, th- this is massive. There's a lot for people to know around this stuff. There's a lots of, uh, lots of rules and you can go into examples, and, you know, it's pretty much endless. Um, whether people will remember this stuff, yeah, probably not, you know, there's so much. But if you are at least suspicious, um, that will drive you to stop and think before you act. The criminals always want you to act before you stop and think. Um, but if you do this, you've really won the battle, right? I mean, literally you will just go, yeah, I'm not sure. And what are you going to do? You're going to go and ask someone who knows more about this stuff than you do? That's great. You've done the right thing. They'll tell you, hey, that's a scam. Don't click on that. You'll learn. You'll get better. Next time you won't get tricked, maybe you can help someone else. So it's just a massive part of it, just being suspicious. Um, And that, like when we train people, that's literally what we say. The core outcome here is just having you guys suspicious because that'll drive your learning and drive better decisions overall. Um, cool. Rob, do you want to do some tech stuff and have a talk about um, multi-factor and how that can protect people with uh, with email compromise?
1: Absolutely. So, yeah, that was a good, good intro and a good lead-in there, Mike. Oh, um, thanks, mate. And, it's, and it's definitely the give-a-shit factor. It's, you know... People are just in autopilot all the time with tech uh, and they, uh, everyone loves to blame tech and technologists love to blame people, but I think we're equally responsible. Um, so you can throw as much technology at it as you like and it's not actually going to make the problem go away. Um, every day, uh, you know, we, we see there's adaptations of technology like it's moving fast, it's moving fast, it's moving fast. And you think hackers aren't keeping up with that? That's what they do. That's what they do. So they're changing their pitch, they're changing their angle, and they're changing the tech they're using to try and compromise you. And now they're attacking people as much as they are attacking technology. Why? Because people are easier. It's easy enough to put in tech, um, but it's hard to educate people enough so that they understand, and it's hard to make them give a shit. And um, yeah, that's the an easy point of attack. Um, so I love what Mike. I love what you're doing love the education, and I'd love to uh, to see more of that and more people doing that proactively rather than reactively. Uh, and the stop-think and act thing is a big deal as well. Um, so when people are in autopilot, they don't stop, they don't think. Um, but the other thing they don't do sometimes is act as well. So people are afraid to ask people for advice or, hey, should I be doing this? Snap out of that. Just talk about it. It's like men don't like talking about their feelings. Um, talk about your your security or your cyber security, right? It's not a you, big Rob. deal.
0: <laughs> I'm talking about my feelings, i so sorry. <laughs> sorry, inappropriate time. Keep going.
1: <laughs> Are you okay? That was yesterday, mate. Oh so. yeah, right, right, <laughs> it, right. you could you couldn't have missed it. Couldn't have missed it. The um, yeah, the corporate virtue signaling. Anyway, um, so yeah, it's it's okay to ask people. Like you know, if someone rings me and says, "Oh hey, I got this thing." I'm not going to go, ha, 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 you don't know what you're talking yeah. about. Uh, like, I don't care, right? I just want the best outcome for people. And most security professionals will want the same. So i never be afraid to pick up the phone and ask somebody. Um, so as part of your ACT process, do that or look it up or, or take an action that's not going to put you at risk or it's going to mitigate the risk.
0: That, that's but, a really good point because you're talking about corporate culture there. Um, and that's yeah. something that we like to bang on about is that if you i have got to belittle someone when they ask a question. You've lost the battle. Like if someone says, hey, I've got a question, you know, is this a scam or, hey, I think I clicked on something and you beat them over the head with a book. Man, that's they're gone. You've lost them for good now and they will never be on side with you. But if you treat that as an opportunity to nurture them and reward them for doing the right thing, you've got them on
1: your side. It's such a big part of it, how people act. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, leading on from that, speaking of acting and doing things and taking action, one of the biggest things from the technology side that people can do uh, to protect them, particularly uh, against business email compromise, Um, phishing is a big thing. Uh, I love uh, Mike on his uh, LinkedIn has no, don't click that, right? um so what happens you know this is really easy you get an email uh, and they say hey do this click this thing you need you need to download that or you need to go to this website or you need to check this uh they click and they go oh you need to log into whatever microsoft google whatever and you put in your username and password and you go oh that didn't go anywhere it didn't do anything there must be something wrong with it too late you're done that's it It's all over. You've given it away if you don't have multi-factor authentication. So quickly what it is, it's a second factor or second form of identity to prove that uh, you are the one who's authenticating. So as an example, you put in username and password, and then it should send a little text to your phone, or you might have an authenticator app, or you might have uh, a security key, you might have a hardware token, uh, just a second factor of authentication to go, hey, it's legitimately me trying to log in. So if you do put in your username and password somewhere dodgy and they get it and they try and log in, you'll get a little text on your phone going, uh, ding, ding, you need to put in this code and you'll be going, well, well, I'm not logging in anywhere. So, uh, what's going on here? Update your password, problem gone, right? Email not compromised or your, uh, user account not compromised. So multi-factors or authentication is the biggest one. Um, you know, in in terms of statistics, more than 90% of hacks could be stopped just by using MFA super simple stuff most applications have it turn it on for all of your applications if you're in the microsoft stack it has it if you're in the google stack it has it if you're in amazon it has it the uh, australian government just released legislation saying that if you have your financial transactions in a system uh that uh, the acos said you have to have multi-factor authentication turned on or two-factor authentication you have to have that it's legislated um, so this isn't a you know some new novel concept. this is just something that you can turn on and your system support it so my recommendation go find out how you can turn it on if you don't have it already uh, or find a professional uh, someone who supports your software or your IT provider ask them to turn on MFA on everything
0: yeah for sure and it's not a hard thing either it's, some people think what well, I'm gonna to have to be challenged every time I want to log in with the second method no it's on new devices the first time you log in on a new device or a new browser you do it once, you're good. Like, until you change to a new device, you don't get challenged can, again. So it's easy going. Can I chime in there? Right, yeah, yeah, just yeah. as casual. That's
2: interesting, Rob. I actually didn't know that was legislated, but I did know that Zero <laughs> made two-factor authentication mandatory for all licences, probably about, would have been six to eight months ago, I reckon. Yeah, that you. was obviously because of that legislation. Because I was like, that's kind of, okay, accept that. But that, um, And that's good, but I was like, why are you forcing people to do this? Now I understand why, Look,
0: does, where I come from. It makes a massive difference with not
1: being breached. It really does, and we recommend that for
0: wherever you can turn it, on, turn it on.
1: And if the Australian government's legislating it, um, you know, they're 10 years behind on everything tech related. So if they're legislating that, that's how old it is.
2: <laughs> yeah, I can appreciate why they're saying that for financials, right, because like, and particularly for somewhere, a system like Zero, like, because Xero is connecting through, uh, j- and uploading taxa- business taxation information directly to the tax office, right? And so, super. And super, that's right. And so you want that information to be tickety-boo. So, um, so I can understand and appreciate why the government would see that, right? Because, you know, I'm sure the Chinese would be interested in being able to hack into taxation and business information of that nature. So if they make that law, then, then it makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And financial right.
2: fraud too, yeah.
0: Cool, all right. Chugging along, look back to me now, I guess. Um, I think I think one of the things that we come across in the awareness space quite a lot is the fact that people don't recognize these five potential scam warning signs. They're, they're pretty simple. The First one is fear factor. This is massive in scams, right? Uh, that in the free lunch. When you get this stuff, people's brains just don't work logically. They go into this almost fight or flight modes with the fear stuff, anyway. With the reward stuff, you're going, "Oh my God, you know, I want something nice," but you bypass this rational thinking. You just you do things unconsidered, and you click on stuff or get tricked. Um, curiosity is another big one that you'll get stuff that doesn't quite make sense. And if you're not suspicious about it and you go, what is that? You want to have a look. Um, and some of the stuff we received today, it gives us real sense of fear of missing out. And you're really curious about it. And you want to open the damn thing. It might be a PDF. Well, maybe not such a great idea. Cause even a benign PDF, you think it's like an image based document, but that can hold some code called JavaScript. And yeah, it can you know ruin your day pretty badly. Urgency as well, you know, trying to just get people to do things quickly, unconsidered, crims know that, hey, we, we finish work at five o'clock or just before lunchtime and do this thing urgently. Um, and authority as well, pretending to be the boss, you know, do it now, or your ass is grass, that sort of stuff. But really, I think it's almost an order of um, how prevalent these are. The fear factor is massive. Um, and if people are aware of that, like companies don't do business like this. You know, what sort of company says, you know, you're going to go to jail if you don't do this? Oh, it's not a good way of doing business, right? Everyone's respectful. So see that stuff, just assume it's a scam, be suspicious and chase it out. Um, and then around the email stuff, three simple questions to ask that, that we find really help. Did you request the email? Were you expecting the email? And does the email make sense? If one of those three things don't add up, then again, just be suspicious. Get on the phone, Like right? Getting on the phone is massive, right? It's so good because you have their number or you can look up their number. Don't use the number you find on a dodgy email, but just get on the phone, make a phone call. If someone says, well, no, that wasn't me, you just nailed it, you hit it out of the park. You, you could have saved your company like countless dollars just with a simple phone call. It doesn't take a lot of time. Know, frankly, you know, getting on the phone and having a chat to one of your customers or something, it's always a good good touch point, you know? So it's not a bad thing. Um, back to you, Rob. Patching. How does this patching. help with, uh, with email forward? And-
1: patching, and- patching, patching. So <clears throat> we, uh, we all know what Windows Update is. We all love Windows Update, how it asks you to reboot your machine right when you're in the middle of something really, really important. Um, so <laughs> patches come out from uh, from Microsoft Patch Tuesday, um, but patching for everything, for all your software, right? So behind the scenes, what your software vendors are doing is they're looking for potential vulnerabilities within their software. Um, and as things move on and as things progress, they identify new vulnerabilities, they patch those vulnerabilities with software patches, right? So that it's so that people can't hack your systems. Keep everything up to date. Just keep everything up to date. Um, it's, it's not hard. It's not a difficult thing to do um, when you're me. Uh, but if you are just a, a basic end user, um, right. And, uh, and you don't know, uh, okay, well, is my system up to date? Are my applications up to date? I just don't know. Do I have vulnerabilities? Um, it's pretty simple, uh, managed services, it. There's a reason that, uh, that people move to that. Um, it's because that's what people like us do. Um, so for us, it's super simple, right? Uh, 10 bucks a device a month and we'll manage all of that stuff for you. And you don't need to worry about it. Right. We'll just make sure that all of your applications are are up to date. We get reporting back on it. We can see all of that. um, And we can make sure that those vulnerabilities are patched as soon as the uh, updates come out from the software vendors. So um, really good stuff to do. Keep everything up to date.
0: I, I think just adding to that, it's really important that people understand that when a vulnerability is first found, it's found by a good guy or a bad guy, right? Good guy can investigate it and they can report it to the company. Um, bad guys can sit on it and exploit that vulnerability in either case when the company finds out about a vulnerability in their own system and they report that well hell everyone knows about it right good and bad so until you patch it we've got this window of opportunity for the crims to have a crack
1: so So did you see? did you see Mike um, so the security analyst looked at this month's patching that came out uh, and identified a patch that was coming out for exchange and that patch was um, basically identified a vulnerability where an email could execute code within the exchange environment. No one had to touch the email. It just oh. hit the system and it could execute code within the exchange server environment.
0: Yeah, that's scary. But
1: that so that's was terrifying. Similar,
0: there was a similar one with preview a while back where you just preview an email and that could cause some grief. Yeah. And they patched that's... that, of course. but that's, that's horrific. And this is exactly why, yeah, patch comes out, slap it on.
1: And, and that was and that was public information right so what do you think every hacker is doing right now yeah exactly
0: they're targeting
2: that vulnerability
1: yeah so a question for
2: you question for you rob on this slide so what are you what's the response to the cio or no actually it's not the cio it's the cfo or the coo who says no nah, no nah, we can't do that patch because that's going to break our business process because we did a test and it screws up our system so we can't because we've got these legacy systems that we're they're, they're running our core businesses uh we can't do the update
1: yeah the so response? that's so that's a mega challenging one um it's uh it's basically the you know you run the old cost benefit analysis and just go okay well let's let's risk profile this what's the chances that it's going to happen um so you, you look you look at the uh, do, do the risk analysis and go okay well what's the risk that we're going to get hit by this and, and, then, the cost? Yeah. and then what's the cost if we do? What's it actually gonna look like? Um yeah, break legacy systems are uh, they're always my uh they're always my favorite. I came from a background of doing software, so Sorry. it is uh, Oh my, Mike's
0: getting into it. That's my mum and dad calling me from New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> I turned Skype off on the computer, I forgot on the mobile. My bad. <laughs> yeah. Um
1: yeah, so so looking at they're no, just—they're not going to leave you alone. They're not going to leave
0: you alone. Keep going, Rob. Sorry, I'm going to deal with this.
1: That's okay. Sorry, Carl. Coming back to you. Yeah. Um, uh, so always looking at uh, at the risk, um, you know, and what's what's the cost going to be. Um, so is it is it low risk or is it high risk, and is it low cost, is it high cost to the business, um, you know, if we do get penetrated there, and then. Uh, if you're talking particularly to a CFO, CFOs are always my favourite, right? Because they're driven by balance sheet, and uh, you know, risk isn't a big thing, but cost is. Yeah. So if you can pin a financial figure to it and just go, okay, well, if we get breached and this happens, here are the uh, the potential um, things that could occur. Right, So if they execute code, it might bring down a mail system, which means we can't communicate with our clients. And if our sales team can't communicate with our clients, the potential revenue loss is X. The potential reputational damage is X. It's going to equate to a loss of X. This is why it's critically important uh, for us to be able to patch this stuff. Now, uh, in terms of the business systems and the business processes that need to be executed internally and what that looks like, um, analysing what's going to break in that system, of course, there needs, you need to strike a balance as well. As technologists, we always go, you put the patch on, put the patch on, put the patch on, update the system. Um, if it is going to break a critical business process, making the decision as to whether you proceed with that or not. Uh, Technologist in me always says, proceed with the patch, mitigate the risk. Um, but breaking internal systems and looking for a workaround there it depends what degree of impact that is as well. So that's a good question and really, really hard to answer. I think it's a case by case basis thing.
0: Yeah, you're right, Rob. It goes to their risk management and how they deal with risks and costs. And-
1: I think Carl was yeah. going to unmute himself and, uh, and come back to me on that one.
2: I was. You saw my arm move.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not spying on you, Carl. But- is, I turned
2: my video on for that purpose. But the... Um, I totally agree. What I find in practice is that the actual security, the security aspect of it, the security risk and cost thing, is actually a really, really, really good motivator to change legacy systems. Because the thing, what I find in in my work is that it's actually the people side of things is why people don't update their legacy systems, right? So you get over that by saying, hang on, you have a significant security risk because, this is a known vulnerability. Um, The fact that they've got a patch tells you it's a known vulnerability, right? So the patch comes, you know, after all hackers know that they can get you this way. So, So, so that opens you up and the potential of that because it's a, you know, it's a critical business system. So if you get hacked through that system, the cost, you know, as you would know, when you do the cost-benefit analysis, there's that's honestly, it's not objective. It's all about the assumptions that you make. You know, so if you're a clever business analyst like me, you you encourage <laughs> you make assumptions that <laughs> make it clear that you need to make this change. Yeah, um,
0: absolutely. And, 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 like, to get...
2: and you overcome that, and you and and you deal with the 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 business process problems they're always manageable yep. um but when you get into the environment oh shit i've been hacked that's not a place you want to be yeah.
1: you can't you can't change the fact that there's a vulnerability but you can change the business process right so as a, always as a good ba you know that you know we can we can change what we do but we can't change that there's a vulnerability and we can't change if we get hacked it's that's just, it is what it is, so. That's exactly so, right,
2: yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So that's a really valuable, that's actually the angle that I find is really, ta- has a lot of influence.
0: Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't forget that patching is a control. That's a risk control, and there are other controls. So maybe you can't do the patch, but maybe you can implement some other tech solutions as well that would mitigate that risk to a satisfactory level, I guess. All right, um, look, um, getting back to the people side of... Um, Emails, there's two things in emails that are the pain train immediately. Um, File attachments, if you double click on a file attachment and it's infected with some malware or whatever, that's it. You're done, you're toast, you're done pretty much. Um, The other thing is clickable links. And clickable links we find are a massive vulnerability for people. There's so much misunderstanding around how to handle these things. Always use this thing. It's, it's literally just the poo hitting the fan straight away, you're in trouble. So, when you see those two things, just take a pause, right? Just have a think about it. Again, be suspicious, stop, think, react. And if you're not sure, get some help. Um, there are some other scam indicators as well, like asking for personal information. Um, When the from address does not make sense, but people should probably be aware that it's really easy to forge the from address to make it look legit. You can, with tech, again, back to Rob, you can block that stuff um, if you do a few things on your network. D
1: mark, Um, D mark, D mark. Yep.
0: Yeah. Um, Five common scam indicators. Again, you'll find these things laced throughout these scam emails, these phishing emails. Fair reward, curiosity, curiosity, urgency authority um here's a really interesting one poor formatting grammar and spelling this one i only really probably got my head around this well not too long ago if someone is sending out an email to a million people trying to get them to click on a link right it should bloody well look fantastic like the fact that it doesn't is because these guys are muppets okay english is not their first language okay cool but geez how hard is it to uh to do a good job or at least ask someone to do a spell check for you. Um, so look, there's no excuse, but good for us. We can see these these mistakes they make. The interesting part is if you get an email and it's like the Nigerian print scam or, you know, the I've got $10 million and I'd like to share it with you if you help me get it out of the country, they actually will on purpose have poor formatting grammar and spelling. What they want to do is pick up the most gullible people in the population. So if you don't notice this email sucks horrifically, then you're super gullible and they want to speak to you, right? So obviously that's not a good place to be and you really want to be picking up on this stuff. There should be no excuse for that at all if you see that. It's a big indicator of a scam. Did anyone know that? Just just, anyone? Anyone? All right.
1: See, I follow you on LinkedIn, Mike, so I'm <laughs> well involved in this conversation. Yeah, cool. so I already knew, but... Okay. Yeah, I, I just find that
0: really fascinating that they do it on purpose in some situations. Um, look, the other thing they should always say... Can, can I say Yeah, go for it.
3: So, hi. Um, so, the poor grammar thing I think is hilarious, right, because yeah. it depends on the industry. So, um, some of my clients are in the construction industry, um, where you've got, you know, a a number of sort of self-made success stories that maybe only finished junior high school and they're, you know, they're trying to get paid. They're, they're sending out emails that sound really threatening to, you know, people who owe them money. Um, and the emails on the the face of it on the surface, they actually do look like scams because um, the grammar uh, or the diction is just, it's just not yeah. necessarily what it ought to be. Yeah. So I, I think that a really important thing is to to kind of, I guess, have your five points of the star, right? That, that just because um, a communication you receive from somebody uh, only kind of triggers one point and makes you think, you you really, you do need to sort of explore the other points of the star too. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because, that, that's why I always say get be, on the phone. My clients would be appalled to think that someone thinks they're a scammer. <laughs> <laughs> simply yeah. because the grammar was poor, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> you got a wolf there or something. <laughs> Um, look, you're right. You're right. It, it's, it is a, you, you're sort of weighting this stuff up, up in your head and going, what's the likelihood of it being a scam? And like I said right at the start, get on the phone. Like, you know, it's going to come from someone you know. Does it make sense? Yeah. Did you request it? Yeah. Were you expecting it? Yeah. You know, it's got some indicators that look a bit dodged. Doesn't mean throw everything away. It means if you're unsure and you can communicate on the phone, get on the phone and just chase it out. Or if you delete it, what's gonna happen? They're gonna chase you up. So you're gonna find out either way. But yeah, you're right. Some people, hey, that's okay. Scammers, though, famous for it. They, they generally do suck at this stuff, which is great for us. Um, oh yeah, the other thing I was gonna mention is you often get inconsistencies in emails. So you'll notice that like the, the from email address, the domain name in that, won't match up with links. So if I send an email out, Mike, from WebSafe staff, it's going to have a, a link on it to some content on my website that goes to WebSafe staff. And, you know, the signature goes to WebSafe staff. You'll often find that with the scammer emails, they've just copied some stuff from someone else's email, and those three things do not match up at all. Um, uh, over to you, Rob, uh, tech stuff, antivirus. Text off.
1: Put on antivirus. And oh, yeah. uh, <clears throat> proper antivirus. Not, um, not kid stuff that you buy retail. Um, buy, particularly if you're a business, buy proper uh, business-grade antivirus. Um, there are some distinct advantages to getting the business-grade stuff. Uh, the scope of what they cover is a bit broader, so they've got some cool functionality. All of the security providers release their best tech into their business-grade stuff. There is a reason it's more expensive. Um, it's, it's more expensive because it's better. You get uh, what you pay for. You get what you pay for and the, the angle of the approach that they take is enterprise-wide security, not just endpoint security. So you think about endpoint being your desktop, maybe. Um, but these companies that you can see here, um, so, so we do Sophos, so I can, I can really talk about it in a Sophos perspective. Um, Sophos, you know, they'll have a gateway firewall and all of their endpoints, which is your computer that have antivirus, are connected to that, right? They talk to one another. The reason that they do that is because if you get ransomware on your computer, what you don't want it doing is infecting the server or other computers in your network or being uploaded to, uh, to, to SharePoint, to your SharePoint, or your OneDrive library and ransomware everything up there across the entire company, right? So what it will do is go, hey, this computer's got ransomware and it'll lock it from the network because it's talking to the firewall. So there's some cool stuff that you can get um, by putting in place some business grade antivirus solutions uh, and security solutions they make a big difference. So it's a bit more an investment, not much more. You'd be surprised at how affordable it is, uh, but it makes a big difference if you do get that enterprise wide tech. Yep.
0: Fantastic.
1: And keep it up to date and God, keep it up to date. <laughs> Pay <laughs> your renewal, download the update, download the definition. Yeah. Make sure it's up to date.
0: When your signatures are a year old, you're not going to do well. <laughs> um, cool. Thanks. This is um this is one that is close to my heart. This when we teach this section, it blows my mind that so many people still do not know this. It, when you have a link, you hover on it, right? What it actually says, websafestaff.com.au, the link that you're presented with, but unless it's an SMS message, which you can't actually, the link you see is where it's going. It's well, I we'll just skimmed past that. The hover is everything, right? That is where it's going, okay? The link that you see initially before you hover means literally nothing, right? So people get confronted with stuff like this. It could be a bank or whatever, you know? Um, You hover on it, cool, comes up with something totally different. This is, I'd say, 20% of people that we train still do not know that you need to hover. And hover on everything, right? You've got a link in an email, hover on the damn thing. You're on a website you know and trust, hover on the damn thing and have a look at it because websites we know and trust get hacked. And what do they do? They want to change the links, okay? So it's a big part of um, dodgy links that we actually see. Um, Probably the other thing is know your destination. So if you get a link that says something like that, Office 365 login, you hover on it, and it, it's going there, and you go, yeah, that looks all right. Well, is that actually correct? It may look all right, but you know, do a quick search on this stuff, Office 365 login, oh, I should be going to office.com, you know, kind of like multi factor authentication, I don't need to do it once, unless you're changing the device, yeah, rather, but. Look, office.com, that's in your brain now, right? You know, next time I need to go to office.com, this is a dodgy link. Okay, um, do, do you see much of that, Rob? That people don't know about the horror.
1: Yeah, I um, I do. I see it all the time, and, and people not uh, not thinking about, just not checking. Just it they takes just, one. They just second. go.
0: They just go and click, don't they? And this is why my tagline thing. says, "No, don't click on that," because I see so much of this. It's
1: crazy. It's just a hobby mouse over it just for a second. And for people who are only listening to the audio of this, um, Mike as well, I might just explain what's going on. So, um, you know, Mike had a URL, so, um, or, or, or a clickable link. So you can tell cause it's underlined, right? Uh, you wave your mouse over it and it's going to take you off to somewhere and it will show the actual URL or the, uh, address that it's going to, the web address that it's actually going to go to. So you know how you can have those buttons that say click here, um, And uh, when you wave your mouse over it, it'll tell you what website it's going to go to. That's what we're talking about. And just even if it says, uh, you know, uh, for for Mike here, it's saying websafestaff.com.au. He hovers his mouse over it. It actually says websafestaff.com.au. So you know that you're going to the right destination. The second link he's demonstrated is nab.com.au. But when he waved his mouse over it, uh, and I love this, you is scammed sucker dot com um, right so it's actually pointing to somewhere else, and it's using the same sort of tech that you see for that click here uh, or click this button or click button to register, kind of like we sent out to everyone for this webinar, um, which is you know ironic, I know, but you all clicked it, and you trusted us we'll get back <laughs> to <that. laughs> we'll get back to that
0: yeah.
2: It's um, it's a big deal. It honestly is. Um, and I I have to I have to pipe in here. I'm sorry to interrupt, but this you. is, this is where it's at. This is the biggest weakness right here in all of cybersecurity. In my lot, I work with small to medium businesses, helping them to upgrade their business systems. Right. I had a client that got hacked using this method. They lost seventy thousand dollars mm. from. From, uh, from a hack where the financial manager got access to the Microsoft environment <laughs> right. and, and th- they gave him the password, right? And, that, and the hackers were logging into the Microsoft environment and sending the business's clients updates of banking details, right? <laughs> so that's, and it happened because of this. The regular person doesn't know how to read a URL. That's, right? that's the that,
0: next thing I'm going to show that's okay. Oh, yeah, I see.
2: Yeah, that, that, this is where it's at. This, oh, I know. I, I, like this I is said, where it's this, at. Is, this,
0: I totally agree with you. This is a big deal. It is. This is a
1: big deal, Carl. Sure there's commission kickbacks from Mike if you put him in touch with everyone <laughs> <laughs> before sure out a referral arrangement.
2: This is why I love Mike's stuff. I love Mike's stuff on LinkedIn because he's trying to educate. Everyday people on this stuff. Oh, like it's, I'm passionate about this. This
0: is, know this,
2: stuff,
0: right? this is this stuff. is primary.
2: Do. The reality is, is this is primary school stuff, right? For 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 users of the internet. Yeah. The regular financial administrator, the regular person who does financial accounts and bookkeeping, they don't even know how to. The reality is, is they don't understand the URL. And okay. and and the and, the, and the hackers are clever. Right, because the reality is that hackers don't have my sucker, you know, you are a sucker.com. Yeah, sure. They yeah. have NAB forward slash, like NAB
0: dot dash yeah.
2: my bank dot com um, or dot net.
0: That right? is exactly S- what com. I'm just about to show. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Look, I'll, I'll get into the example because this talks exactly what you're talking about. When we teach this stuff, we show people how to read URLs. This stuff isn't actually difficult, right? We, we take them through about five specific examples and build it up. Um, I'll just show you guys one example. But this is the way most people will get tricked. And this is what we build up to when we train. Here's a link, right? We want to go to mybanking.com. So what are we going to do? We're going to hover on that. And that's where it's going, okay? So that was the hover URL. And then I, we showed people how to read this stuff, right? And just quickly for you guys, ignore the stuff at the beginning, right? Ignore HTTPS, blah, blah, blah. And I will just say quickly, the reason this works is because people read left to right, right? So they've got to read left to right and see www.mybanking.com and think we're all good, right? So don't do that. Ignore the bit at the start. Go and find the first slash, if there's no slash, you go to the end, right? So here we've found a slash, great. This is where we're working from. Now you look to the left of the slash and you're looking for this domain extension. Now, as I said before, we, we build up to this. So this is a bit brief, but in this one here, we've got .info. That's one part in the domain extension. It could be .com.au. That's two parts in the domain extension. The simple rule is... If there's one part to the domain extension, go left two dots. If there's two parts of that domain extension, like .com.au, go left three dots. So here we've got that .info, one part of the domain extension, go left two dots. Cool. So while this thing reading left to right goes to mybanking.com, when you apply the rules, it's going to log in now .info. Um, that that's got nothing to do with mybanking.com this is really easy to do for a scammer because they register login now.info they slap some folders on their in their website and in, in the in the files and folders like that's what websites are files and folders and database and they just run a website out of this my banking thing and you can't stop that but this is massive this is where we find we teach people and you just see the light bulb moments go off in their eyes around the room. That's going, and they're kind of freaking out because they're going, "Holy shit, what have we been clicking on all these years?" It's quite confronting to a lot of people that stuff. So, um, Carl, is it that that's what you're talking about, right?
2: hundred yeah. percent.
0: So yeah. yeah, it's it's a big deal. Um, related to that as well. Shorten URLs, um, another way to trick people. You get all these Bitly's and things. Um, you know, you can turn a long link into a short link, right? Um, but when you hover on that thing, it doesn't tell you where it's going. It just gives you the exact same information. Um, so, you know, a lot of these um, links that were, were sent are these shortened URLs and people just, well, even if you are hovering on them, don't get any information. So um, what we always say is just um, expand them out. Um I personally use checkshorturl.com. You plug it in up the top here. Uh with me a little lazy, you plug it in up the top, you click expand, it tells you the long URL, then you can read it, and then you can make a decision whether it's safe. So yeah, it's um good to know that. The other great one at the moment, oh, I love those QR codes. Um these things are all over the place. Um and I've kind of have some issues with this stuff because um These are short URLs. This is a link to a website. Um, And if you take your phone and you just hover on that and you get taken to a website, how do you know where you're going and how do you know what's on that website? Um, So, Nicole, you're probably uh, not a big fan of QR codes, I gather.
3: No, not a fan.
0: No. And it's, you know, we are presented with a lot of them at the moment. (laughs) Like You go to a restaurant, you've got to sit down and take a photo of these QR codes. And I'm just like... That's
3: that's the concern that I have because I actually see malicious actors potentially exploiting small businesses. Yeah. Um, You know, and even treating them in a really legitimate way, saying, yes, hey, dudes, use my... Use our... um, Use our product, use our code, send your customers there. Um, remembering that, that sort of not all crime is about um, directly stealing somebody's money, but it could be about just hiving off their, their personal information or gathering data about them that they wouldn't otherwise give. Um, so that does, that does worry me. In, sort of in the COVID space, I would love to see city-based chambers of commerce Maybe getting behind one or two providers um, where, you know, they've said, "Yep, yeah, we vetted this provider. So if you go into a restaurant and you're you're asked to hover over a QR code uh, for the purposes of contact tracing, that, that you know that that's legitimate and that someone's gone to some extent to find out about this company, who yeah. they are, where they store their data, who they sell it to, and all of that. Um, one thing that I'm noticing from a privacy perspective is a lot of people will, will go to this exercise because they, they are required to, but then they end up being marketed to or contacted in some other way that's outside yeah. of their reasonable expectation. Yeah, and that's not, that's not sort of in the realm of cybercrime necessarily, but it's unsavory. Yeah, absolutely. right? And that doesn't help.
0: To get a you know, trust. Th- the issue I have around these things is though, even even though you could you know, have some vetting process to say, yeah, we're we're all cool, we've done the right thing. Me as a as a scumbag could print my own QR code, make up a dodgy website with some malware on it, and go in a restaurant and stick it on the table and stick it over their QR code.
1: Mate, um, you could go to any pub in Sydney and do that, and you'd get a thousand people much more than their COVID safe limit. They've been getting busted left, right and center. Um, much more than the COVID. They just go and sign up. They don't care about their privacy. They're like, no. yeah, we've been drinking. Let's go and sign up for stuff. Like I've had a big problem with this. Uh, and I've been talking about it with um, <clears throat> a mate of mine. Who's a lawyer. We went out for lunch the other day. We're like, where's the privacy policy? Like we used to remember when we would hand right into a book and I'm like, they literally want me to put my mobile number and email address and, you yeah. know, um, <clears throat> they, they want to know what what brand of car I have, and you know uh, what my password is, and they're like, why are you asking for this? Yeah. And and the, and I saw fifty names and fifty mobile numbers and email addresses, and it's like there's there's no thing about privacy, there's no thing about marketing consent, there's no thing about anything, and I've already received stuff from them.
0: Yeah, it's it's a real shame. It needs to be done a
3: lot better. No, there, the difficulty, though, there Rob is that if a business isn't required to comply with the privacy law they're not going to have a privacy policy or they're going to just avoid that as kind of an, uh, an extra detail that they just don't have the money or the time for so unless businesses have a three million dollar turnover or more or they collect health information which you could argue collecting the covid safe yeah. data you know, the collection at the door of name address etc because of the purpose for which it's collected, you might be able to argue that they're collecting health information about a person. You might be able to argue. Yeah. Um, But even so, most of, like, you know, the nail salons, the, you know, the the hairdressers, the cafes, the pop-up food trucks, you know, these guys are not gonna be across (laughs) their lawful obligations around privacy. And it really, I find it really disappointing that you've got companies that are marketing to them and saying, hey, here, use our product because it looks good from a community or consumer trust point of view, but the company using it, the food truck or the hair salon, they don't actually have the nows to back it up in terms of privacy practice, right? Yeah. So they can collect the data in a safe way and maybe secure it in a somewhat safe way, but all the other elements of privacy law that they should be complying with, say around transparency um, as an example, or not further using that data they're they're not going to have the ability to do that
0: yeah Yeah, for sure um just a plug for nicole if anyone's interested she's um definitely one of the uh, high profile privacy people around australia um, with ground up consultants
1: so if you've got some privacy concerns can we connect it on linkedin nicole
3: um i don't think so rob but i'll collect i'll connect with you now
1: uh, so, Mike, did you put in a marketing consent on registering for this webinar, by the way? I. Um...
3: Yeah. Yeah, very soon. <laughs> <interesting. laughs> I
1: think I've sent those people. Are, uh, an oh, no. I don't
0: know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. All right. So for people this who is, don't uh, know... Can I add...
2: Let me... Add, I want to add uh, something else to this conversation here that I actually hadn't ever thought about this until, and, until you've... Uh, until you've mentioned this, but can you just go back a slide, there, Mike?
0: Sure.
2: The um, back to that QR code, right? Let's think about the hairdresser or the or the nail salon uh, manager that Nicole was referencing there. They see that thing, right? Now, every single to a human, every single QR code looks the same. Now, do you know? Do you know who else uses QR code in a very legitimate? security way google authenticator yeah All Right. if you if you want to set up your two-factor authentication on google authenticator it shows a qr code on the screen microsoft time and micro and you sh- and you sh- and you point your camera your, your the camera on your phone right now from a human from a human perspective the human psychology perspective is well i'm doing this with microsoft and google therefore i'm thinking qr codes are safe
0: yeah
2: man i didn't realize how much of a vulnerability
0: this just introduces to yeah, one, of, one of the things we do <laughs> to is, yeah, one of the things we do. this is ridiculous is con- consider going to a trade show and these things are up on the wall saying scan this to get your free you know sh- trade show pack or something this stuff is so easy to do. Like the busy.
2: like these QR codes are like I, I live in Wagga Wagga in New South Wales, and I can tell you, cybersecurity is not a thing in Wagga Wagga in New South Wales. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and every single cafe has a QR code in it, yeah. right? That says, um, you know, make sure you log with your COVID Safe app. And yeah. you know, if a malicious actor, Absolutely. they could easily just replace that, just just take the cafe one off and put their own one there. And yeah. they could be collecting all the, all the details. Look just at giving which... your email address and your <laughs>
0: phone number. I've got and tons you know, of information out of the cafe. It's great. Like, you know, I've got a marketing list out of it. So it really
3: that, works well. Yeah. <laughs> this you is think maybe the also gives people maybe a false sense of, um, a false sense of security or an elevated, an elevated sense of security when in fact, they shouldn't necessarily be trusting, uh, on the face of it, that you know whomever has provided the QR code is is trustworthy or reliable in terms of what's going to happen to their data. I mean that's that's an issue for me, right? Um, I you know if I see a QR code in a bus stop, I'm not going to scan it because I don't know anything about it or the provider of it, but. That's me. I, I mean, I'm a privacy professional. I do that kind of thing for a living. I think like that for a living. Mm. But, but other people might say, oh, QR code. I'm going to scan that and see what I can get. Maybe there's um, a coupon that I can redeem or a sweepstakes yeah. that I might win. Right? Yeah. Uh, this is why I do what I do. I think <laughs> I would say, Nicole,
0: that
2: it's even more simple than that, is that like in an environment like the COVID like the COVID thing is that when you go to the cafe and you have to, and the cafe owner is saying, you have to scan the, key, the, the QR code because otherwise the police are going to come to my cafe and they're going to, you know, they're going to audit me to make sure that I've got to, um, that, oh, that, on, that I've not, got my, Melbourne here. my list. This <laughs> happens. No, this is the cafes here in country, New South Wales. This is happening in. Right. Wow. No? So, and they've all got QR codes, right? But I can, I'm very confident when I say that the cafe owners, they're not really monitoring that. They're just doing it because they have to, not because they want to, or because they even know what's going on. So if someone actually snuck in and switched over those codes, you know, there's no... there's no way that's going to ca- get captured, and everyone's actually they're doing the QR code because they genuinely think they're actually doing the right thing. Yeah. Right. So
3: yeah, they think it's they think it's more appropriate for records management too, right? That that by doing everything electronically, that the data is going to the right place in a secure way quickly, as opposed to you know being on a list that we can all see that anyone can take a picture of.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, th- I think we should probably this is, keep moving on because I, I keep moving we probably don't kill our codes reality. to death. But it's good that you guys have got some questions around this and uh, getting some awareness around the issues around this stuff, which is great. Um, all right, what else have we got? Rob, did you want to speak to about this one? This is so this is the process side of it. Maybe we both speak to this. Um, Rob, you still there? <laughs> Oh God, he's actually gone. Hello. No, Rob, Rob is not here. Where did he go? <laughs> he is gone. Bloody he said, co-host, He's you, gone.
2: You're going. <laughs> you're, you're gone for more than an hour. You're taking too long.
0: God, it's terrible. I don't know what's <laughs> happening. Hopefully, he'll come back. Look, I'll, I'll briefly speak to this. We're nearly going. We're going to wrap up pretty soon. Um, if someone you, um, a, a company you deal with, has their email hacked. That's a big deal if they can download all the emails and see the communications to you then they can craft an email to you that is believable um, and that's a massive problem because you know did you request it did you expect a, does it doesn't make sense yeah 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 you're going to get and you're not going to be suspicious um, so this takes next level suspicion to look for anything that can be wrong maybe you know, the grammar's slightly out or, you know, the timing is slightly out. Typically, what they're going to do is try and send through a, um, send through, hang on, I'm just, let me just check. No, he's gone. Um, he hasn't come back in the waiting room. Typically, they're going to try and send through a invoice um, and hope that you pay it. So from the process side, the really important part here is to say for any new or changed information um, coming into our business that could damage our business, we confirm it. Um, typically with a phone call. So, hey, if you get an invoice and you've never paid to that bank account before, that's new information, so get on the phone. If you get an invoice and it's got a changed bank account in there, that's changed information, get on the phone. Um, that really there is going to stop you from getting smashed with uh, a fraudulent invoice. It's, it's really that simple. Um, that That's the basis of it. You can do a bit more around that, but the I know that would have helped out a lot of companies that I have come across. Um, Backups, so if Rob's not here, I'm gonna speak about backups. Um, I'm all cool with that. Just back your stuff up. Um, If you're not already cool with this stuff, there's things you can do around regimes, grandfather, father, son, 321, look into that stuff. Make sure your backups are disconnected. Um, They call it air gap. Some people say that's not a thing. It's not possible. But look, at the end of the day, get your backups done. Make sure you can restore from different points in time. Keep your weeklies and monthlies and yearlies. um, And if something does go wrong, at least you've got your data that you can get back. It's just a massive thing. Test that your backups are working. Try and restore the damn thing. You know, there's no point having your backups running. And then when you actually go to need them, you can't restore them or you found that they weren't actually running. And this happens a lot. And it's the downfall of very many companies, unfortunately. Um, Well, that's the end. I don't know if we've got questions, but... um, probably had quite a few through the session so I think we have done all right how are you guys going that was really
3: great you guys
0: thank you thanks for attending um, I hope you guys got something out of it and thanks for your input that was really good there was some um, really great discussions there and uh, and um, good input so I appreciated that but uh, yeah until next time or next beverage or next lunch thanks for tuning
2: thanks very much Mike. I really appreciate um, yeah. I, I appreciate that I did get a few I did get a good, some good stuff out of that I but so. I, I, I want to take the opportunity because we haven't I, I know you online we are connected on LinkedIn yeah. and um, I know we haven 't met but I do want to say, keep on doing what you 're doing because it is making a difference, and your content is really good. You are one of the very few people on LinkedIn who doesn't promote themselves, who actually generates, LinkedIn is just full of people promoting themselves yeah, yeah. and 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 just trying to sell their own shit. You're actually trying to educate people on something that's really important. So I love your stuff and I think you're doing a great job and I just want to give you a bit of kudos. <laughs> well,
0: thank you. I appreciate that. I to, really, um, to say really keep
2: on doing it because I, I can appreciate it can be, a it's probably a pretty hard, it might feel like a pretty hard slog for you at some times but um. oh,
0: look my brain works in mysterious ways and i do like to keep things <laughs> interesting i find hey look this is oh, hey rob's coming back hang on i'll, I'll finish um participants I, he's, he's I should
2: have given the kudos when rob was there maybe, yeah, maybe but, i need to do it again <laughs> yeah look,
0: look i will just say that this is a very boring topic for most people most companies they literally you start talking about this stuff and they switch off and if you can't talk about this in a simple and engaging and funny way, you're wasting your time. So, and hey, I am passionate about this and I want to share my knowledge of this. Um, I'm, I'm always seeing ways to relate cybersecurity awareness to general life as well. So I'll just throw out random stuff. So it's nice that it's appreciated. <laughs> it is. I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, now, thank you, Mike. And
3: thank you, Rob, as well. That was, I thought that was great.
0: Rob is back so he can, um, have a couple of parting words and then we'll wrap up.
1: Yeah. Thanks everyone. So Where'd we can, go? I'm on headphones. I'm in a different location in the house now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, uh, the NBN, the no business network decided to let me down. Uh, so I'm tethering from my phone. So thankfully our, uh, I do get good, uh, Good Wi-Fi on my phone.
0: Well, we're um, finished now and we spent the last five minutes talking about how crap you are for jumping off.
1: Fair. It's fair and reasonable. <laughs> uh, no, it's, uh, it's been good. And look, it's, uh, it's been really enjoyable. I'm glad this was so casual. Thank you for, uh, for those of you who turned up to join us. Really appreciate it. It was uh, nice to meet everybody that's here that I don't know. Always good. To, and a pleasure to see those people that I do know. And, Mike, we need to do this again, man. We
0: this do. Is, we do.
1: Yeah. Well, this is recorded, so everyone's going to hear it in both podcast and yeah, video yeah. form. It will be shared everywhere. Um, everyone who's in the meeting will get marketing emails from me. Oh, just in case nobody oh, wants to win.
0: what?
1: <laughs> sales and marketing guy. So I'll definitely add you to that many lists. It's okay. I uh, like you guys, so it's all good. Uh, all
3: right. Well, you know what? You can reciprocate, I think, by coming as a double act on the Privacy Matters podcast that I do for Smart Cities and Critical Infrastructure. Love you to. You and Mike can come and talk about cyber for, um, for employees that work in that space.
1: Love to. Yeah. I
3: think that'd be, that'd be a really, really great um, reciprocation for all the marketing I'm about to receive.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right, um, I will uh, I'll take you up on that. That sounds great.
3: All right.
0: I'm going to go and have some dinner. I don't know about you guys, but my liquid diet is not sufficient.
2: <laughs> <laughs> cheating, Definitely saying the case for me, Mike. <laughs> Appreciate it.
0: Thanks very much,
2: uh, Mike and Rob, for no just doing it, even though it was a small crowd, but it was a high quality crowd.
0: What do you mean small crowd? There's 300, <laughs> 300 people on the session. we are you talking about?
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. Cheers, guys. All right. Thanks, Until guys. next
0: time. See you. Bye.
2: Bye.